study that I would say something more about patience. Every assembly or every man of God that God uses, he puts them through experiences that are designed to bring that assembly, to bring that church, to bring that man of God to maturity. If God is going to use an assembly, God is going to use a man, he'll make sure he puts that assembly, he puts that man of God through experiences that brings them to maturity. 
every one of us when we begin our salvation we are so happy we are full of joy full of happiness we love the Lord with a lot of excitement in our new life you enjoy the Spirit of God as it moves in the church I tell you you jump up up and down there is a lot of joy you want to embrace every child of God, you want to talk to every child of God, you want to talk to a man of God, I tell you, you are so happy, you can't wait for the church doors to be open, I tell you, you can't wait to be at church, there is a lot of joy, you enjoy the fellowship of the saints and ministers, you talk to that pastor, if it is a fellowship meeting, you talk to the other minister, you talk to the other brother, you enjoy their fellowship. You enjoy the conventions and the fellowship meeting. You can't miss. In whatever city that that meeting is, you'll be there. You'll save money to be there. You'll do all that it takes to be there. You are full of joy. I tell you, you are hungry for the word. You are thirsty for the spirit of God. You just want the fellowship of the children of God. You are full of joy and love. You love everybody. Nobody can really annoy you, nobody, if any person steps on your foot, your Torah, you just say, brother, forget it. <clears throat> you are so happy, you are full of joy, full of enthusiasm, and uh, you are determined to serve the Lord. You say, my God, I will not leave the church, I can't leave this fellowship, I love every brother, I love all the men of God. You enjoy working for the Lord. If it is work at the church, there is anything to do, you evangelize, you go this way, you go the other way. We go through all of those moments of joy. Now, overcoming the flesh with its affections and lusts is no mini task. It's wonderful to have that wonderful time. When you are so happy in your new life, you are in the world, probably an alcoholic, or probably one of these witchcraft, fighting and all that, and then the Lord said to you, my God, you began a new life, there was so much joy, there was so much joy in you, you are so happy. And uh, that goes on for some time. <laughs> but we are saying, Overcoming the flesh with its affections and lusts is no mean task. It's not a small task. The affections and lusts and all emotions of sin are in every one of us. Every descendant of Adam, every human being, the affects affections rather and less and all motions of sin are in every one of us and when we receive the baptism of the holy ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues you can't know that you have received the holy ghost until you speak in other tongues the evidence that you have received the, the holy ghost is when you begin to babble in new tongues in a new language that your mother and your father and your teacher and your neighbor and your brother 
Now I talk to you what the Spirit gives you the utterance. So the evidence that you have received in the baptism of the Holy Ghost is when you begin to speak in other tongues. And so when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that is not done away with. The last, the affections and the last and emotions of sin are not done away with. They are not removed. They don't disappear. It's wonderful that you have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But the affections and the lusts and emotions of sin have not run away. They have not disappeared. They are there. The emotions of sin are still there. And many of us, we study the word of God and we should. Every true child of God, every born again child of God should study the Bible, should read the Bible, should read the entire Bible, not just the New Testament, not just Proverbs and Psalms, but you should read the entire Bible beginning from Genesis up to Revelation. But just studying the word of God will never put anyone in the first resurrection or in the bride of Christ. Reading the Bible, which is good and wonderful, never a child of God should. But just studying the Bible cannot put you in the first resurrection or in the bride of Christ. We should study the Bible, but we should know it takes more than reading the Bible to be in the first resurrection, to be in the bride of Christ. It takes more, as we are going to see. It takes experiences to teach us lessons. God takes us through experiences. What is the purpose of the experiences? To teach us lessons. There are lessons that we should learn. You may study and be able to quote, and there are individuals, saints of God and preachers that can quote over 50 scriptures of a, they are able to quote this scripture, quote the other scripture, quote this scripture. That's good. But, you may study and be able to quote, but book learning does not teach you anything. Just studying the Bible, just reading religious books, <clears throat> they will not teach you anything. Individuals can go to school or even the Bible colleges, theological colleges, and they learn a lot. There is a lot to learn in a Bible school, in a theological school, and uh, we should. Where there is that opportunity, one should avail yourself. You can learn a lot as far as knowledge is concerned, but there are lessons, we are talking about certain lessons. So individuals can go to school, can go to theological colleges, Bible schools, 
They can go to seminaries. I mean, they learn a lot, but education, education, knowledge, information alone does not change you. You can have plenty of it in your head. You can quote a lot of principles, but it doesn't change you. Education does not change anybody, whether it is secular education or religious education does not change anybody. You can go to a theological college, Bible college, you can go to a seminary, you will come out with a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, but you will not be changed. That does not change you. <clears throat> you can study, go to university and obtain one degree after another, one degree after another until you come out with a PhD. But that does not change you. It doesn't. You have a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, but <clears throat> that does not change you. Experience, unexperience, <clears throat> pardon me, is designed by God to change us. When God wants to change you, he will take you through an experience. It is experiences designed by God not by yourself, but designed by God. An experience designed by God changes us. God is the teacher and uses the Holy Ghost. When the Lord saved us and baptized us with the Holy Ghost, He touched something on the inside. That made a difference. When he saved us, the Lord saved us, baptized us with the Holy Ghost, I tell you, he touched something on the inside. The innermost part of man is his spirit. And the Holy Ghost touched the innermost part of man, which is the spirit of man. <clears throat> something on the inside was touched. And it made a difference. He put a love in our hearts that schooling and reading and education can never do. There was a love when you received the Holy Ghost. You embraced everybody. You loved everybody. You loved the men of God. I tell you, you were happy with every person. There was a love that was put inside of us. We loved the church. <clears throat> we loved the people of God. We loved the children of God. <clears throat> we loved working for God. There was a love that was put in our hearts. That is schooling, reading, the Bible, reading books, education, <clears throat> could never do that for us. Many individuals read the Bible and they never have the love of God like they would have if they would receive, if they received the Holy Ghost. Those that just read the Bible <clears throat> and don't have the Holy Ghost, 
There is no love in that is put in their heart. You can't receive that love by just reading the Bible or reading theological books. It must be the baptism, the real baptism of the Holy Ghost. So, many individuals <coughs> read the Bible and they never have the love for God. Like they would have if they received the Holy Ghost. Something happened in the hearts of the 120, the 120 in the upper room, when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Something happened. Something changed on the inside. There was a change. A love was put in their hearts. There was an activity that was produced. Something happened. When you receive the real Holy Ghost, something happens on the inside of yourself. Something, you begin, you love the children of God. You love doing something for God. You love God. You love to pray. You love to do something for God. You love to work at a church. You love to help children of God. You are with them in the hospital. Yeah, you help them when they are in need. There is a love uh, that is put in your heart, the real genuine Holy Ghost. And if you keep it alive, if you don't quench it, the, the scripture says quench not the spirit. If you don't pray without ceasing, if you don't quench the spirit, if you don't quench uh, the Holy Ghost, there is that love in your heart. Something happens. So, something happened in the hearts of the 120 when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This did not happen by just being converted or baptized into water and reading the Bible. They were converted, all right. <clears throat> they were reading the Bible, all right. They were baptized into water. But what happened when they received the Holy Ghost was different. This reading the Bible, being baptized into water, did not produce what the Holy Ghost produced. An experience itself, an experience itself, like I said, the experience must be designed by God. An experience itself cannot do a work just as reading the word of God alone can't. Many people go through experiences but until that experience has been designed by God, designed, put in place by God for you to go through, it cannot produce anything. Many people go through experiences. I went through this, I went through that. This happened to me. That was an experience. But it doesn't produce the good results that are acceptable before God. Unless the action of the Holy Ghost is involved in the reading of the Bible, in the reading of the Word, or in the experience, nothing good can come out. There is no change. That experience should be designed, must be designed by God. Now, the Holy Ghost, and we said that God uses the Holy Ghost, an action comes in, and as you go through that experience, it's designed by God. That is the experience that changes you. 
So, just because the brother in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 was excommunicated, that alone did not save him. How many people have been sent out of the church and they have never changed? Just because this brother in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 was excommunicated, was thrown out of the church, that alone did not save him. That could have instead, if it was not the Holy Ghost and God being involved, that would have just embittered him. Would have just become bitter. How can they do that to me? How can they throw me out of the church? With all that I have done, is this what the pastor can do? Is this what the church can do? After I have done so much, he can just become bitter. Unless God is involved through the Holy Ghost, he can just become bitter being thrown out of the church. How I many have been thrown out of the church? And they never, never, never change. They never change. It never serves them. He said they are bitter against the church. They will speak evil of the pastor. They will speak evil of the saints of God. They will fight in the church. They will speak all kinds of evil. They will become bitter. They will say this and they will say that. They will say this. Uh, yeah, that being thrown out of church has not changed them. He said they have become bitter. Now, this brother in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that could have caused him to turn against the church. If it wasn't the Holy Ghost, if God wasn't involved, that is an experience that could have caused him to turn against the church. So it wasn't the excommunication <coughs> that saved him. It was the work of the Holy Ghost. The work of the Holy Ghost that served this brother. It wasn't just the excommunication. Many people we have seen have been excommunicated and uh, they never change. They are never saved. Instead, they become bitter. So the Holy Ghost in his heart made this excommunication profitable, viable. It did a work in him because the Holy Ghost worked in his heart. He was convicted of his sin. He thought about it. The Holy Ghost brought it to memory and he, he saw himself <clears throat> as a sinner. He saw what he had done that was not good. So it was what the Lord was doing in his heart that made the experience profitable to him. The Lord began to work in his heart by the Holy Ghost, like I was saying, showing him how sinful that action was, how terrible it was. He felt remorse, and he felt he needed to turn. He needed to cry to the Lord. He saw his mistake. He saw his sin. Who was doing that? God, through the Holy Ghost, through the Holy Ghost, be feeling sorry, feeling sorry for what he has done. So, because of that, that experience became profitable to him. Being excommunicated became profitable to him. Whether it is the word of God <clears throat> that goes over the pulpit, or you have an experience, that alone 
does not turn you. That alone does not turn you. Look at here in Jeremiah. Here in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. Jeremiah 31 in verses 18 through 19. 18 through 19. Jeremiah. I have surely heard it from the morning himself thus. Thou hast chastised me and I was chastised as a bullock and a cassandra to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. Surely after that I was turned, I repented. Look at that, I was turned. And he realized his mistake. The Lord worked by the Spirit of God. He realized his mistake, and he was turned. I repented. After that, I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. <clears throat> right there we see, Ephraim bemoaned himself, turn around me, and I shall be turned. Save me, and I shall be saved. After that, he was turned. The Lord what? in his heart by the Spirit of God. The Lord worked in his heart. Many individuals read the Word of God and never change. You can read the Bible from morning to evening, one book after another, one book after another, one book after another, and that doesn't change you. It doesn't. Many individuals read the Word of God and never change. Many individuals go through horrible experiences and never change. We said at the very beginning that an experience must be designed by God. <coughs> if God is not involved, you can go through one experience after another, one experience after another, and you never change. One experience after another. Look at an example of an alcoholic. An alcoholic can have an accident and kill somebody, and they never change. A few weeks or months later, they are drunk again. They were drunk, drove carelessly, they killed a person. They, feel, they felt sorry for the first few days or few weeks, or depending on individuals all month, it was just the second month and they are drunk again. Did that horrible experience change them? Seeing you kill a person by your careless driving, did it change them? It didn't. It didn't. It never changed them. So many individuals can go through horrible experiences and never change. We need more than the word of God. And we need more 
than just an experience. Unless the Spirit of God is working in your heart as you read the Word of God, you won't change. Unless God, by the Holy Ghost, works in your heart, unless that experience has been designed by God, it won't change you. That's why we say we need more than the Word of God and an experience. How many read the Word of God? Christians all over read the Word of God. Every one of us, we have got through experiences, one after another, one after another, one after another. How many of those experiences uh, change us? How much of the reading of the Word of God has changed us? So we need more than that. We need the Holy Ghost cooperating with the Word of God or the experience to make it productive in our life or in our lives. Unless God, by the Holy Ghost, works in our hearts with the reading of the Word or with that experience, it will not make that reading or experience productive in our lives. And God does that in the lives of the elect. If you are an elect, you read the word of God and you are convicted and you see yourself, you must do something, you must change. As you read the word, it touches you. You feel a touch, you feel that action, you feel you are sorry, you feel you must implement this, you must believe God. Whichever portion you are reading, when the Holy Ghost is working in your heart, it makes that reading profitable. An experience working, or the Holy Ghost working in your heart with that experience, it changes you. And that is in the hearts of the elect. Non elect can read the Bible. They can read the Bible many times in a year, but it doesn't change them. Non-elects can go through experiences, a lot of them, they never change. So the elect don't have to go through all the experiences that an individual will have to go through to go into perfection. They don't have to go through all the experiences that an individual will have to go through to go on to perfection. Many lessons are learned just through study or hearing the word of God. When it comes to an elect, many lessons lessons are learned through study or hearing the word of God. And you like to listen to a preacher, listening to a servant of God, the word of God is divided and I tell you that he learns a lesson from that hearing the word of God. <clears throat> and by hearing and understanding they implement that particular area of the Word of God and the progress is made. They listen to the Word of God and of course the Holy Ghost works 
and uh, they change, they implement, and change is made. Chastisement is for those areas of our lives. Chastisement is for those areas of our lives. Affections and lusts that have not been subdued. Those areas of our lives that have not been subdued or brought under control by the, the validity of the word of God. Unlect, listening to the word of God, the Holy Ghost working, there are areas that the ancient will help them and they change by just listening to the word of God and there is a change made. They listened to a man of God, they listened to a preacher and they changed. They listened to the word of God, they were convicted, the Holy Ghost worked and they were convicted and they changed. But everything is not over. There are areas that have not been subdued. Areas in the lives of the elect that have not been subdued or brought under control. They have not been subdued by the preaching of the word. They have not been brought under control by the preaching of the word. And so those areas, then God brings in chastisement. First Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Take note as I explain that scripture. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. How can you judge yourself? When do we judge ourselves? When do you judge yourself? <clears throat> it's good to listen to the interpretation of this scripture. If I judge myself, that means I stand myself alongside the word of God, bring myself in conformity to that area of scripture. What am I saying? I read the word of God and believe it is true. And that word of God I implement. I know I need to implement this scripture. I need to bow down to this scripture. I need to make this scripture effective in myself. I'm not pushing it to anybody. I'm not just reading. I know it is speaking to me. And I know I need to bring my life in conformity to that scripture. In other words, I implement. I have judged myself. I need to do something. This scripture is speaking to me. I need to do something. I need to implement 
I'm not, I've been off, but I need the scripture spe speaking to me. I must put my life in line. You have judged yourself. You have judged yourself that you need to implement that scripture. That's how you judge yourself. You see the need. You yourself see the need to implement that scripture. That's how you judge yourself. So, that makes oh, that makes me a living epistle. It makes you a living epistle known and read of all men. There are some areas in our lives that we are not able to judge ourselves. We are not able to align ourselves with the scriptures that we are reading. We are not able to align ourselves. You'll find it is hard to implement that scripture. It's hard stuff. You've read it, but you'll find it's hard to implement that scripture. So, one of those areas is an impatient spirit. One of those areas that we are not able to judge ourselves is an impatient spirit. Remember the topic. We want to say something more about patience. So, listen as we develop, as we go deeper into this message. One of those areas that we are not able to judge ourselves is an impatient spirit. Maybe you are plagued or I'm plagued by an impatient spirit. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's run with patience the race that is set before us. Every one of us has a condition beset as a condition of besetting sin. You can't deny, I can't deny every one of us as a condition of besetting sin. Sin is not always fornication, adultery, murder, drunkenness, uh, fighting, all those are glaring sins that we know. Sin is not always that. That besetting sin could be impatience. Impatience. You are not patient. That impatient spirit causes you to howl words at others. Throw words at others. Howl words at others. You make snide remarks because you saw something you didn't like. You make snide words 
unpleasant criticism. Snide words. Because you have seen something you didn't like. You are not patient enough to bear that. You saw something you didn't like. You are not patient enough to bear that and keep quiet. Your impatient spirit causes you to say something that is not appropriate. You word comes, words come out because you saw something you didn't like. You make comments, very unfavorable, unpleasant comments. You have words because you saw something you didn't like. So it causes you to open your mouth and say something that is not appropriate. Your impatient spirit is what caused you to do that. If you were patient, suddenly you saw something that you didn't like, but you could have closed your mouth. If you were patient, you would have just looked and kept quiet, as though you didn't see. Is it a job that says, uh, as though he didn't have eyes, or as though he didn't see, uh, as though he was blind? Uh, some scripture in the Bible, I can't remember correctly. So, patience is a primary ingredient necessary for perfection. If we are to go on to perfection, if we are to become perfect, patience is a primary ingredient necessary for perfection. You want to be perfect, you want to go on perfection, patience is a primary ingredient necessary for perfection. Without patience, no one can be trusted with immortality. Other will be like John and James who wanted to barbecue in the entire city. These people are refusing us to go through their place, through their city. Let's burn them up. Let's barbecue them. They can't do that to us. We have a master. Lord, should we call fire like Elijah did? A very, very impatient spirit at that time. So without patience, no one can be trusted with immortality. Patience is primary requisite, is a primary requisite to go on perfection. It's a primary requisite to go on to perfection. No one will ever stand in the presence of the Lord with an impatient spirit. You are able to act, you are able to lash out, you are able to speak this and the other. No one will ever stand in the presence of the Lord with an impatient spirit. Can you see a mistake, something that has gone wrong and keep quiet? Can you watch something has done something wrong and weak? Wink at that and as though you haven't seen, oh, I have seen this, I must say something, I must rebuke them, I must tell them, I must put them in their place. They can't do this. They can't do that. They must be rebuked. They must be told this and the other. They must be shown that Can you look at something? Something has gone wrong and as though you haven't seen it. 
You act as though you haven't seen it. You have seen, and you are so wrong, but you just keep quiet. You just let it be. Uh, but when just to see something wrong, seeing something, somebody do something wrong, your hard words are to them. What does it come out already? You rebuke them. You shout out to them. That is an impatient spirit. Patience is a primary requisite to go into perfection. And man will stand in the presence of the Lord with an impatient spirit. You can never go to perfection with an impatient spirit. If we judge ourselves, we cannot be judged. But if we can't judge ourselves, then we need some chastisement. If we fail to judge ourselves, then we need some chastisement. Like a job. Job needed some help. He was not able to lay aside his self-righteous spirit. He really needed. There he couldn't judge himself. He needed some help. Look at Job 29. Let's see what Job himself said here. Job 29. And verses 10 through 17. The nobles held their peace and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, then it blessed me. When the eye saw me, it gave witness to me, because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless, and him that I demand to help, uh, to help him. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it closed me. My judgment was a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind, and feet was I to the lame. I was a father to the poor. And the cause which I knew not, I searched out. And I break the jaws of the wicked and plucked the spoil out of his teeth. You see a self-righteous spirit of Job, how he's commending himself. I've done this, I've done the other, I did this, I helped the poor, did the helpless. I helped this, I did this, I did that. Job didn't judge himself in that area. So, in getting help, he had to be judged by the Lord. It wasn't a strong judgment, however. <clears throat> it was a healing judgment. God had to put Job into judgment, chastisement. Not a destroying chastisement, but a healing chastisement. If Job 
judged himself, he would have not needed to be judged of the Lord in that particular area of his life. He would have, it would have not needed to be judged. He judged himself in many areas, like if you have read the book of Job, for example, he knew how to take care of the poor. He knew how to help those that were in need, so on and so forth. But there was an area that he was not able to judge himself. There was an area that he was not able to judge himself. He needed help, and so the Lord had to help him. <clears throat> he needed some help, and so the Lord had to help him. When we read the chronology of the suffering of Job, when Job was judged, he was chastised, was chastened of the Lord. What you read in the book of Job is the chastening of the Lord in the area, in those areas of his life that he did not see, he was not able to see. Many times, exaltation is so subtle that it hides itself under the guise of religion or being religious. Exaltation is so subtle to be exalted, it's so subtle that it hides itself under the guise of being religious or under the guise of religion. Having words to people many times, you think is being holy, you are putting things right, <clears throat> you are putting order, so you think it's holy, you have holier than thou attitude, when the truth of the matter is that this hiring of words is a lack of patience, you can't just stand watching something go wrong and keep quiet. You must put things right. You just can't see things going wrong and you don't intervene. You just saw something and you jumped to conclusion. You really didn't know whether what you think was right or not whether it was right at all. You are just sure you know what they are up to. I know what these people are up to. This is the fruit of an impatient spirit. He that judges a matter before he hears it, it is a shaman for the unto him. You judge a matter before you hear it. It's a shame and folly. folly. Unto you. 
questions is a number one prerequisite to going on to perfection. Patience is a number one prerequisite to going on to perfection. And if you don't have a patient spirit, then the Lord will put you through the necessary experiences that will change you. He will put you through the necessary experiences that will help you. He will put you into conditions that you can't extricate yourself from. You can't remove yourself from that condition. You can't extricate yourself from that condition, from that problem. Until patience has been worked in your heart, you can't remove yourself from that problem, from that sickness, from that trouble, from that domestic problem, until patience is worked in your heart. You cannot trust an individual with an impatient spirit. You cannot trust an individual with an impatient spirit. That is why John and James wanted to barbecue an entire city. This scene was disguised under the clock of being holy, religious. We must take care of this rebellion. They are refusing us, we must take care of it. That was sin. That was sin. In the book of Luke, Luke chapter 9, and uh, verse 51, Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 54. It came to pass when there was, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem and set messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume, consume them? even as Elias did, even as Elijah did. This was seen in, the, in their lives. And they couldn't see because it was covered under a clock of religion, of being religious. This spirit of self-righteousness, a holier-than-thou spirit, this is what they were. 
they, have, they had no right to do this to us, James and John thought. They have no right to do this to us. God loves us more than he loves them. We are more righteous than they are. God could not approve of what they were doing. Many times we hide our sin under a religious garment. James and John made the snide remarks. They wanted to destroy an entire city. You know, many times we jump to conclusions without investigation. <clears throat> you conclude without investigating. This is a hot-headed temper, hot-headed temper. It is an impatient spirit. We just know we are right when we just when we are just as wrong as we can be. James and John were justifying their action with scripture. As Elijah did, should we call fire to come? Elijah they quoted Elijah. What Elijah did, they were quoting scripture. Quoting Elijah. They justified their sin. They justified their impatient spirit. They invoked scripture to try to prove that they were right. Just because they quoted the scripture, they did not mean that they were right. 